right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss Nuggets practice from today as the Denver Nuggets, they hold a Wednesday practice before traveling to Oklahoma City to play the Thunder. The Thunder are actually surprisingly good. Like, that's uh, that's not a storyline that I thought I would hear but the Thunder are 4-3. and three. They have the same record that the Nuggets do so far. Uh, the West has been topsy-turvy. Portland is 5-1. and one. They're playing right now. I don't know what that game's going to look like. Utah is 6-3. and three. They're the three-seed. Portland's the two-seed. New Orleans, the four-seed. San Antonio, the five-seed. Denver, the six-seed right now. So the West is all out of whack. Michael Malone actually made mention of that today at practice. So it's one of those things that even the people in the business are like fully acknowledging, yeah, this season, it's, it's uh, pretty, pretty weird. Pretty, pretty weird to start off this season. But on this podcast, I'm going to go over in the first segment, Malone and Nikola Jokic talked during practice today. Uh, we'll share some of my thoughts on what they said. Then I'm going to break down seven key numbers to start the first seven games of the Nuggets season, what Nuggets fans should know, what they need to know, what they're going to need to know going forward, and some things that they could either be positive or negative about, just fully understanding what's going on. And in the third segment, we will just preview the November schedule for the Nuggets really quickly. Not going to go into super major depth, but because I've talked about this pretty consistently, but it is a pretty big talking point at Nuggets practice from Michael Malone just how much they're kind of worried about the upcoming schedule. Or maybe it's not worry, but they they want to make sure that they put themselves out ahead of the eight ball as opposed to behind it. So we will see. But for now, let's talk about practice. Let's talk about what was said. Lots of conversation from Michael Malone about there was some offensive stuff today. There was some uh, stuff about focus once again. There are still some defensive questions, but I wanted to point everybody to my article that I posted on milehighsports.com. I actually think I did a pretty good job on this one, Where and sometimes I don't, so that's what I'm really saying here. But this one I think was good. I think it really captured kind of where Denver's at and what the mentality is like right now. Very business as usual, very much a, a process, not necessarily overreacting to the good or the bad from the first seven games, but they do want to continue to build. Malone talked about how, hey, today's practice was a lighter day as opposed to the heavier day on Tuesday that involved some live drills, but they still went hard. They still went after it and got competitive, but most of this is about player development as opposed to team development where the the live sections really come into play. I think that... As the calendar goes from October to November, you really start to see, okay, are these early parts of the season real or not real? And I talked about that in a previous article as well. Malone is definitely of the mind that they have to start building those habits pretty soon. It's not necessarily a mandatory thing that you have to be great every single night. Even he knows that like you can hold everybody to the highest standard possible, but the best teams in the world don't win every game. They sometimes lose some games that you don't expect them to win. So 
That's what's great about basketball. That's what's great about sports in general. But overall, the best teams are the ones that can do the stuff that's of their identity the most and most consistently. That's sort of where I'm at where I'm thinking about what teams do well, whether it's NBA champions or just really high caliber playoff teams. You see those teams have a massive identity, whatever, whether it's physicality, whether it's uh, with the Warriors, it's the ball movement and outside shooting. Uh, with Milwaukee, it's kind of a grinded out mindset. With Giannis at its center. With Denver, it's the unselfish, unstoppable ball movement. Malone today talked when I was asking him, hey, what do you want to improve from the first seven games and kind of take that going onward? He said, quote, we gave ourselves a goal of 30 assists per game. Last year, we were at 28. Our winning percentage when we get 30 assists is extremely high. If we do that, I think we give ourselves a great chance every night. That was sort of building upon the turnover conversation. He's definitely had that as a major talking point throughout the first few games of the season. And he gave credit to the team. He gave credit kind of stepping back and understanding that this is a long season. You have to check off certain things as they come along. The one area of focus and growth that's definitely gotten better over the last few games, he says, quote, our turnovers have come way down. If that number continues to go down, the assist numbers go up. What I want to point out, I don't know if I have this in the seven key numbers section. No, uh, I do. So I'm going to I'm going to save that a little bit for the key numbers. But just know that as the turnovers go down and the assists go up, it means that Denver's more connected. It means that Denver's playing a smarter, more connected brand of basketball, where sometimes the talent can show through and that can kind of paper over some of the problems. But for Denver, when their talent plays the way that they need to play, that's going to get them to a great place. And Malone knows that. Malone knows that you have to find that. I've talked about this too, that when a team reaches, I I call it basketball nirvana, like that's the... That's the San Antonio Spurs when they're at their peak in 2014. That's the Warriors when they go on their major runs. Uh, That's when Milwaukee looks like they're unstoppable because their guys are hitting shots and they're so connected on the defensive end. It's when Phoenix is kind of getting into your grill and they know how much better they are than you and will tell you that no matter what shot they get, whether it's a mid-range, whether it's a three, whether it's a drive to the rim, they're going to make that work. And so all of these teams that have been really, really good, they get to that zone of basketball nirvana. I think I called it the golden, uh, what, what was it? Uh, that golden point, whatever it is. It's, it's indescribable, but you know it when you see it, where a team is so connected and so in tune with each other on both ends of the floor, with their confidence, with their connection, with their belief in each other that you can see everybody kind of raise a level to a level you didn't think that they had. Denver's going to need to get to that at some point. It's not going to have to be now. And if teams got to that point now, then I think it's easier to game plan for the teams that are trying to stop them. Because then you see where they are at their best, and then you get to start poking holes in that again. So Denver's going to have to show some of that at some point, whether it's game 30, game 50, 
game 70 or game 95, if they're in the middle of a conference final or something like that, they're going to have to get to that basketball nirvana at some point. It doesn't have to be now, though. And I think that's where that patience has to come through. It's a process. The other part of the practice that I think was pretty fascinating, I keep talking about process. I keep talking about building good habits. We talked to Nikola Jokic today, and I I asked him, I didn't know if he was going to go this direction with this question, but I asked him, do players in the NBA think, or do they approach the game differently earlier in the regular season versus later in the regular season? And I didn't know what he would say, but here's his quote. Uh, and he continued to did some of the, like he said some other things, but this is what I really took from it. Quote, to be honest, it's a boring sport. You're doing every time, you're doing every time the same thing. You need to love the routine. You need to find the routine that you love. You need to enjoy that routine. You're going to come in every day and probably do the same things. Maybe it will be different sometimes, but you need to love the routine and create habits that you can enjoy. So I feel like that explains a lot of what we're talking about here, of what maybe some of Denver's problems have been earlier on in the season, where it's routine. It's part of the process. This is year eight for Jokic. He doesn't necessarily, he knows that this is a part of the process. He knows that this is part of the season where everybody has to get together and connect and understand how each other plays. And then you don't necessarily have to play your best basketball right now. So I don't think Jokic is playing his best basketball right now. But eventually he'll flip that switch. And hopefully as Murray takes more shots and Porter takes more shots and everybody plays defense together, that they can come together at some point during the season as long as they continue to establish those habits, that routine of coming in, trying to improve the same things. And the hope is that if you go over it again and again and again, whether it's different offensive sets, whether it's your conditioning, whether it's the defensive uh, formula that you're trying to satisfy, if you do that over and over and over again, the vision for this team, for this Nuggets team, is that it will eventually click at some point. Once it clicks, I think Jokic is going to really lock in. I think he's going to really connect with everybody on the team, going to really lock into scoring, playmaking, defending, trying to really capitalize on that level. But I think I understand now why he might be a little bored or apathetic. That's the word that I've used to describe this team a couple times, because sometimes it doesn't feel like they bring their own energy. Sometimes you have to manufacture extra effort and intensity, especially in those road environments. The home crowd can kind of get you through some of that. But when you're trying to manufacture and manifest your own extra effort and intensity, if you approach things the same way every single game, they're going to lose some games, especially on the road. So as long as Denver's doing the right things at home and can eventually find that extra gear when they go on the road, they're going to win some of those games too. It's not going to go crazy, but they're going to have to find that extra gear pretty soon because obviously November, it's a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of road games. It's a whole lot. So 
Jokic specifically, he's definitely more geared towards helping out others, towards trying to fill his role defensively, probably not too far beyond that role. But then offensively, he is passing the ball more than he ever has, and he's actually touching the ball less. So his passes per touch ratio, whatever you want to call that, obviously this this bears out in the eye test, but it's bearing out in the stats too, where you look at how many touches per game he's getting versus how much he's passing to everybody else. It's pretty funny because, and we'll get to this in the seven key numbers, but he's averaging some really good numbers when he does shoot. So eventually he'll lock in. I think when he talked about the defense and trying to bring that on the road, he said, quote, try harder, guard better, be more focused. It's pretty simple. I think the Nuggets know that it's pretty simple. And they'll eventually lock in and do it. I don't think there's any worry at this point, nor should there be. This is a team full of veterans. They know how to lock in. They know how much it matters in October versus November versus December versus January. And I think we're going to see that progression, or at least that's what I'm telling myself right now. So we will see. But it was an interesting... Interesting media session where I thought that Jokic kind of shared some things that I really like to hear in terms of opening a window into what he's thinking at this stage. And then Malone, I think, is in a good spot with this team where he's understanding just what this team needs. He's going to try to push the right buttons. And hopefully those are the right buttons. Hopefully he's got his pulse on the team where they will lock in defensively at some point. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss seven key numbers from the first seven games. But first, everybody, football is back, and nobody is more excited than your friends over at Superbook Sports. Superbook is ringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands, and now they'll match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000, no matter if the bet wins or loses. You don't have to beat the stadium to enjoy football this fall. Just visit Superbook.com. Or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all of the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We're back. Pick action roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's connect on seven key numbers the Nuggets have sort of generated here to start the season. These are things that I'm looking at. These are things that I'm not necessarily like, okay, this is the be-all, end-all. This is, oh, man, this is the most important thing. These are just things that I find interesting that I hope everybody else can find interesting. I'm not sure if that's what's ultimately going to happen, but... I think this is good information that everybody should want to know because it will, I think, level the head a little bit for just about everything that I talk about here. All right. Number one, the top key number for this early part of the regular season is actually not a part of this regular season. It is 68.6%. That number is the combined winning percentage 
of the last five NBA champions. And why that is important to me is because when you translate that to a prorated 82-game season, that's about 56 wins, which means some teams have won slightly more, some teams have won slightly less, but overall, if you win about 55 to 57 games, you should feel pretty good that you can at least get into that class, that that's the sort of level that you have to get to. The Warriors last year won 53 games. They could have won more. Steph Curry went down in the final 15 games of the season, and they went through some struggles there. Klay Thompson missed the majority of the year, and when he was, not majority, about half of the season, and when he did come back, he wasn't great. Draymond Green missed a big chunk of the season, and the team's defense really collapsed during that time. So there are definitely, like, there's reasons to believe that they could have won more. And maybe some of these other teams would have won more, especially in some of these uh, shorter seasons. And this is why I went with win percentage was so, okay, if a team plays 72 games and wins 70% of their games versus 82 games and wins 70% of their games, they're about the same quality. Like, or if they win 70% of their games, no matter how many games they play. So... I'm monitoring that. Denver's over-under at the beginning of the regular season on Superbook was at an even 52. At other places, you found it at 49.5, 50.5, 51.5. was a pretty high number. I still think Denver can get to that mark. There's no question about that. Once they get into December, January, February, that is really when they can start taking off. Because even if the schedule at some points gets harder, they're going to have a lot of home games. And it's going to be a lot of fun to see what this team looks like after they've had several games to gain chemistry together. They have to start really locking in. That's why I think Denver can rattle off like seven, eight, ten game win streaks or something absurd. So we'll see. Number two, plus one. That is the number of road wins minus home losses. That's one of the old axioms for being a good team. I know that Phil Jackson said that if you win 60 games before you lose 20 games, then you can consider yourself an elite team. I don't think many games are going to many teams are going to win 60 games this year. So what I am going to be monitoring throughout and this is going to be helpful for understanding just how good Denver can be on the at home versus on the road is the road wins minus the home losses because you should win a ton of games at home and if you balance that out with a whole bunch of road losses then you're still going to be about 500 but if you do road wins minus home losses a high number there a positive number there will yield you a lot of wins during the regular season. For example, Denver has played seven games. They've played three at home, four on the road. They've won one game on the road, and they've lost zero games at home. So they're plus one. My target number for this team would be plus 14, where you win 14 more games than you lose home games. So for example, if Denver goes 31-10, and 10, 
at home. Pretty respectable number. Not a crazy number by any stretch of the word, but 31 and 10. And then you go 25 and 16 on the road. You've won 56 games. And your plus minus on that is plus 15. Because your road wins, you've won 25. Your home losses, you've lost 10. So plus 15 is going to yield you 56 wins on the season. Denver's got to take advantage of some of these early games on the road. This is why it matters, by the way. You can't just throw away road games because there aren't enough home games, although there are a lot of them. There's exactly half of them. If you lose a game on the road, that means you have to make it up at home. That's really where I'm at here. And so Denver, they've got to keep that positive margin. If they go, I don't know, four and three in their next seven road games, and then they go two and zero at home, then they're in a good spot. They'll be plus three, actually plus four because of the plus one that they had before. So something I'm going to monitor. You do not have to keep track of it. I promise I will do it for you. Number three, third key number on the season, 68.3%. It's pretty close to the win percentage that I listed earlier, but this is different. This is Nikola Jokic's true shooting percentage right now, 68.3%. That is a career high. That is the highest it has ever been. And if you're wondering, wow, he isn't even really shooting the ball that well. How is he doing that? Well, it's because he's shooting 69.1% on twos. He's shooting 21.1% on threes. He's taking very few three-pointers per game, only 2.7. But he's also shooting 87.2% at the free throw line right now. He's been locked in at the line and shot the ball really well from there. He's also shot the ball well from mid-range. He's also shot the ball well from the paint. He's doing everything shooting-wise, except hitting threes. Will that eventually come? Yeah, it'll probably be there. It'll probably be at about 30 to 35%. Can he hold up at 69.1% from two? Probably not. But if he stays relatively high, then that would be great. His previous career high from two-point range was last year at 65.2. Theoretically, with more spacing around him, where he can pick and choose his spots a little bit better, he should be higher. Although 65.2% on 13.8 attempts per game, that's pretty impressive. It's a number that doesn't usually rise that high. I'm actually going to do that after the podcast. I'm going to look up just how historic his two-point percentage is for that number of attempts. But either way, really good stuff from him. He's just got to take some more threes and be more comfortable with it. And then got to push the tempo on the post-ups a little bit more. Got to be a little bit more aggressive going to the offensive glass. He's averaging a career low right now in offensive rebounds. So that could probably stand to improve. And his true shooting would go up if he got shots around the rim because he's so good at putbacks. That's one of his best skills. All right, number four. 160, 160 on the dot. That's the fourth key number out of seven. That is the total number of minutes played by Jamal Murray 
in six games this year. He's averaging 26.7 minutes per game. And for perspective, I wanted to share other guys in their minute totals. Kawhi Leonard has played 42 minutes this year. Jamal's played 160. Zion has played 121 minutes this year. Jamal's played 160. Now, Zion's missed a couple extra games. And that's one of the reasons why, but it should go to show to people that it's kind of hard to play when you're coming off of a long-term injury. And so some of these guys, Kawhi, Zion especially, they're being very cautious. I think that Zion had uh, some sort of lower uh, like ankle injury or something like that. But Jamal's been relatively healthy. The only thing that he's had to deal with so far is the uh, bum hamstring that he had in the preseason that it was very, very cautious that they were. He could have played. But in terms of the knee, knock on wood, he's been fine. He's been good. And so if he's just going to miss back-to-backs, and then maybe he misses an occasional one here or there, he might push high 60s in terms of the number of games that he plays. And if that's the case, Nuggets fans should be really happy with that. He'll start sitting out some more games here. Uh, I know there's a back-to-back in November. There's another one in December. There are six of them in January. So I'm sure after Christmas, they will probably revisit that minute plan and see whether he can or cannot play back-to-backs. But that's so far away still. That's like 25, 30 games away. So we will just cross that bridge when we come to it. Number five. And uh, by the way, just for Jamal's sake, like the numbers for him have not been great in terms of just the overall stats. He's averaging, I think, yeah, 13.8 points per game, 3.2 assists, 2.8 rebounds. Pretty pedestrian numbers. 41.5 from the field, 33.3 from three. He's only at 55.6 from the free throw line as well. He's only gotten there nine times. Once he's attacking a little bit more confidently to the free throw line, that'll be when I really think that he's back. The three-point shot is coming and going. I think he'll probably hover around 33 to 36% for most of the year. But if he can get to the free throw line relatively consistently, maybe average about three or four free throw attempts per game, that'll be good. That'll be good to see. All right, number five is the fifth out of seven key numbers to start the seven games of the year. 43, and more specifically, plus 43. That is Michael Porter Jr.'s team-leading plus-minus. That's surprising. I think that a lot of people will be surprised about that, and I don't think that that's going to sustain. I have to imagine that because he's going to be sharing some time with the bench, because uh, I think he's had one good game with the bench, and then I can't imagine they're going to have that heavy of a plus every time he's out there with the bench. It'll probably adjust a little bit. But plus 43, when Nicola is, I think, like plus 35, plus 36, that's indicative of some good stuff. Like he's out there doing good things, Michael Porter. The Nuggets as a team are shooting 44% from three in Michael Porter's minutes so far. So it's not just him. Now, he's doing a fantastic job of hitting his shots when he's out there. He's at 48.9% so far. But when he's on the floor, 
others are shooting well too right now. Now, how much that actually, like he actually impacts that, I don't know. I think that's, it's very reasonable to think, yeah, that, that'll probably normalize. But it wouldn't surprise me if the rest of the team shot better from three because Michael Porter's out there. He takes up a lot of attention on the perimeter, which means one less guy to really bother some other folks. Bones is out there. Bruce Brown's out there. He shot the ball pretty well. Christian Brown shot the ball pretty well with the bench. We'll just continue to see if that changes or not. Number six, minus 49. That is the plus minus for the two-man duo of Bruce Brown and Jeff Green. I'm pretty sure that one's played about 91 minutes together, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Let me try to confirm that, Justin. Ah, oh, no, I, I changed up my, my tabs, but that's okay. So in their minutes so far, they are a minus 49. That is the worst on the team, the worst total on the team. And opposing teams are shooting 48% from three when that duo is out there so far. So again, it's early. Just as I think that Michael Porter's plus minus will normalize, I think that this plus minus will normalize too. Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, if Michael Porter is staggering with that bench group, then he'll probably elevate that minus 49 number. The hope is that it gets to about zero. Because if those guys, Bruce Brown and Jeff Green, are two players you want out there pretty consistently, then you want to make sure that none of your lineups are negative. Try to get to where everybody's positive. Because if everybody's positive, you never lose. That's the hope. So teams are shooting 48% from three against them. Is that going to regress? Probably. Are they going to play better offense? Uh, Brown, Green, and the Nuggets when they're out there? Yeah, I I think that they'll probably be better. But it's something to monitor. It's It's a possibility that Brown and Green are just not a compatible fit because they fill kind of similar roles and play a similar style in terms of where they're going to be on the court. But I don't know. We'll just have to see. And then number seven, final one here, 14%. That is Denver's turnover rate on the season. And it was sky high from uh, the, er- the early part of the season. I definitely think that if if you look back at some of our our conversations, our everything about what had happened through the first three three games or so of the season, you'd be having a very different conversation about what Denver's doing. So far in the last uh, four games, the Nuggets have a ten point one percent turnover rate. That is the best in the NBA. Before that, I think it was at 20% or so. They were the worst in the NBA. So it's interesting to see how drastic those were. It was a point of emphasis for a long time, and it will continue to be a point of emphasis from Malone. But Denver, they've satisfied that. Now, if they just satisfy the other things that Malone is preaching, like defense and passing the ball more and things of that nature, then Denver's probably going to be okay. But it's good to know, and I think everybody should take note of this, that when Michael Malone is preaching something to the media, when he says something like this is a talking point, this is what we're sharing with the rest of the team, the team does listen. 
Like, they're not just ignoring him. It's not in one ear, out the other. 10.1% turnover rate is fantastic. That's so low. 14% on the season is about 10th. So that's good. That's good. You want as many possessions as you can in order to score. Or maybe you get an offensive rebound. Maybe you draw a foul. But if you turn the ball over, you don't get an opportunity for any of those things. So if Denver can limit that, that is a good sign. You don't want to be too conservative because then you're probably not playing the right brand of offense where you take some chances. But if you take the right chances, then that'll boost your stuff all the way through the roof. We'll see whether that changes. All right, let's take a final break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the November schedule for this Nuggets team. We'll be right back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast so far this season. It's been great. Uh, The numbers have been great. Really looking forward to podcasting for the remainder of the year. If you like what you hear, make sure to go rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review if possible. Those really help me out. Uh, Share the love on the program. And I saw some new ones come through. So thank you so much to those that left those ratings and reviews. All right, final segment here. Let's go over the November schedule. Denver plays 14 games in November. They play nine on the road and five at home. The last two games are two straight home games against the Houston Rockets. So hopefully if you win both of those games and you feel pretty good, Houston's like one and seven, then you just have to worry about the first 12. Nine road games, three home games during that stretch. It's going to be brutal. These next 25, 30 days or so are going to be really tough for Denver. There are some major pitfalls here where you're traveling pretty much every single day. I I know Adam's talked about this pretty consistently on his podcasts. I talked about it before a little bit. But this is going to be a tough travel schedule for Denver. And as such... They're going to need to stay healthy. They're going to need to play a bigger rotation in general. There's a back-to-back toward, like, right at the end of that. So Murray will definitely be sitting up for one of those games. Porter might too. So we're going to see how that looks going forward. But it wouldn't surprise me if Denver opened up the rotation just a little bit in some of those games. Whether it's Zeke Naji, whether it's Ish Smith whether it's Flacco Chanchar, maybe more minutes for Christian Brown. Although, how many more minutes can you play Christian Brown? He's playing like a million at this point with with Malone. That's been awesome. But either way, let's go through it here. Let's just rattle off the games. At OKC on November 3rd, November 5th, home versus San Antonio. November 7th, at San Antonio. That's that home and home. November 9th, at Indiana. November 11th, at Boston, November 13th, at Chicago. You come home really briefly, November 16th, home versus the New York Knicks. That's my brother's birthday. 
Won't be able to celebrate with him, but hopefully we can celebrate a Nuggets win. Then you're going for two road games in a row, November 18th and 20th, both at Dallas. So you're going to play that uh, two-game road trip there. Then you come home. You play versus Detroit on November 22nd. You play a back-to-back at Oklahoma City November 23rd. You play November 25th at the LA Clippers. November 28th and 30th, you come home and play the Houston Rockets in both games. So in terms of overall schedule strength, just talking about it from that perspective, OKC is a is a plus 500 team, though they don't expect to finish that well. San Antonio, same thing. They just got blown out by 43 points at home by the Toronto Raptors. So it's not like Denver can't beat those teams. They can definitely do it. Indiana, same thing. They are not uh, delivering the greatest record right now to their fans. Although Benedict Matherin, very fun player to watch for sure. Um, Let me just pull up the standings here again real quick. Yeah, Indiana, 3-5 and so far. Some of these teams have not been fantastic, but like Boston, they've recovered a little bit. Chicago, they're a plus 500 team right now. New York, they are just under 500, but still pretty decent. Dallas, you know they're going to be good, even if their record isn't like stellar. They have the formula to be able to beat Denver. So a lot of these teams are talented enough that you could see Denver losing on any given night. It's going to be a grind. It's going to be something where you have to continue to push forward through that fatigue, through that early season malaise, and care. This is a stretch where I think Michael Malone and the Nuggets coaching staff are probably wondering, all right, are we caring enough? Is this important enough at this stage of the season? I think once it's November, it's a little bit more important than October games. But we're going to find out here really quick just how important it is to these Nuggets. There are some positives, though. Like some of these trips against San Antonio, against Dallas, against Houston. You'll be able to get some good playoff series kind of prep against some of these teams. There will be some good opportunities to learn, to grow, to be able to develop some guys. Maybe Murray will be able to get some good opportunities in those games. Same thing with Porter. But it's going to be a good thing for the Nuggets to continue to play a schedule like this because it tests them. And it tests them early. And it makes them stronger in general as long as they come through on the other side. Big questions that I have during this stretch. 14 games. Will Nikola Jokic lock in as a scorer during this stretch? As I mentioned, 68.3 true shooting percentage. He's not even shooting the three ball well. Can he go to a higher level? Can he push to become closer to 30 in terms of his points per game average? I don't think he's going to try to do that, but if he continues to set the tone, I think the rest of the team will follow. Next. Game 20 of the season was kind of a hopeful barometer for Jamal Murray and his next steps in his development. Game 20 is on November 28th versus Houston. Where does Jamal Murray look at that point? 
It's a long stretch of road games, of staying on the grind, getting back into the regular season swing of things. Does he have to sit out a couple games? Is he forced out? Uh, Are they holding him out for precautionary reasons? Is he wearing down towards the end of this stretch? Or is he building up and continuing to build his, his legs to the point where he's in full game shape? I don't know. I I tend to obviously be more, be more positive when it comes to Jamal, but I'm realistic. Like I know that given that you're out for that long, it would be very understandable if, hey, you need a couple games here or there because it's getting pretty tough. Breathing is pretty hard when it comes to playing all of these games in a row. So the, the last question is, can Denver stay healthy during this month? This is a string of games where last year, Denver lost Porter and and Jokic. They had already lost Murray, but they lost Porter and Jokic right before a a four-game road trip where Denver got blown out pretty much every single game that they played. It was ugly. It It was not a good stretch. And... If Denver is without some of their stars, or even just without like Bones Highland for several of these games, we've already seen that it puts Denver at a disadvantage. They need their guys healthy. Like they can survive an absence from KCP. They can survive an absence from Aaron Gordon. Could probably survive an absence from Jamal Murray here or there. But if Bones Highland goes out in combination with any of the other top three guys, like a Jokic Murray Porter, Denver's going to be in some trouble. Now, what is a fair win-loss record during these 14 November games? Just looking through the schedule, I think there are some trap games here. I think there are some opportunities for Denver to lose a little bit. So I'm going to go 8-6 and six as their reasonable barometer, like where you want to see them at at least during that time. That would put Denver at 12-9 and nine on the season through 21 games which is on pace for about 47 wins. But it involves, like, if Denver goes on a a five- or six-game win streak immediately after that, then it changes things pretty drastically. Like, if you win five games immediately after going 12-9, and then you're at 17-9, and which puts you on, like, a 53-54 win pace. So it's different. Now, 7-7 and or below in this 14-game stretch during November, that's bad. That's not good. You want to put yourself into a position where you don't have to worry about home court advantage or getting into the playoffs and avoiding the play-in. Denver has already gone through that song and dance, and the West is harder this year. So you're going to have to grind for it. You're going to have to fight. Denver has to get to 50 wins. If they don't, they put themselves in real jeopardy to be put into that play-in spot. And then you just don't know what's going to happen. So... 7-7 seven and seven or worse is bad. 9-5 and five or above, that's good. Bordering on great. If you go 10-4, and four, for example, you're at 14-7 and seven through 21 games. That puts you on a 54-55 to 55 win pace through a very difficult part of your season. Then you get to rattle off some home games here or there. You're going to be in a really good spot where you're playing some worse competition in general. If Denver can go 10-4 and four in November, that would be really encouraging because it would say to me, all right, 
they got serious. Going on the road, there are some definite questions as to whether Denver's defense will travel. It will travel if they go 10-4. and four. Like, it's going to be impossible for them to just outscore teams every time and win 10 games. I think Malone is very right about this. You've got to be able to rely on your defense in some ways. Because like I, like I talked about, if Bones goes out, your bench offense kind of goes in the gutter. If Jokic goes out at any point, you have no idea what happens to Denver's starting offense. But you know that Denver, if they lock in defensively with this group, they'll be in a great spot. Like, just try to keep teams under 110. And if you do that pretty consistently, you're going to win way more games than you lose. So, against teams like OKC, San Antonio, Indiana, it's Denver's next four games right there. If Denver keeps them all below 110, they'll probably go 3-1. and one which would be fantastic. That'd be great. So we'll see what happens. We will see what they do. But for now, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'll be back tomorrow. Denver's playing OKC. It's a relatively earlier game, so hopefully the podcast will be up relatively earlier as well. Make sure to go check out Mile High Sports for all the coverage over there. Uh, We're doing a lot of good stuff, both on the website, but also on Twitter and Instagram. I know Anil Opero has been running that Instagram account really well, so make sure to go check that out too. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys very soon.